Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. All right, this is the final report of the movie podcast in the can. Uh, this is the founder, Sam, along with my guest, Derek, reporting. And this is Alien on the Barnburner Podcast Network coming at you. Some of you may have figured out we're not home yet. We're only halfway there. Mother's interrupted the course of our journey. Why? She's programmed to do that should certain conditions arise. They have. Like what? Seems she has intercepted a transmission of unknown origin. She got us up to check it out. What kind of a transmission? Acoustical beacon that uh, repeats at intervals of 12 seconds. SOS. I don't know. Human. Unknown. Can't see a goddamn thing. Ash, can you see this? I've never seen anything like it. Looks like a warning. Okay, that's 1979's Alien. That is obviously a modernized trailer uh, mm-hmm. and, and juxtaposed to our Exorcist trailer last time. I'm here with Derek. Derek, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. This is fun. It's uh, it's spooky season. You're a horror movie fan. I'm a horror movie fan. I figured that, that we could tackle some some classics this October and see where, where it takes us. But uh, I feel like the natural progression after The Exorcist was was Alien. Another um, another horror classic. Very much so. And, and uh, so th- this is a movie that came out in 1979. I, I kind of want to just discuss from the get-go how you came to Alien. Like what uh, Exorcist was shown to you, I guess, by your dad when you were a kid. Sure. Is Alien the same boat? Was he like, let's fire you know, up Alien right after Exorcist? As a child of the late 80s, early 90s, Alien was one of those, like Predator, that I, I didn't see till later, but I, but I was exposed to it through... Uh, video games and through uh, like comic books almost. There used to be these Alien vs. Predator comic books. The yeah. toys for sure. Yeah. I, ha- I had the Aliens toys. Like, you know, it was like Drake and Hicks and and, and, and they marketed that stuff to kids and I had all those. And, and and I remember specifically renting the video game for Aliens, the sequel at Blockbuster back in the day. They used to, they used to rent video games. And um, and I would play this and, and I was always so freaked out by the alien coming out through the, the floors and the ceilings and, and the walls. And it just felt so dangerous. I was so I was too afraid to watch the movie. And then finally, I think it was in high school. I actually sat down and rented it, and I watched it. And and that was when I was really trying to get into film, and like falling in love with film. And, and I was just blown away by it. Yeah, I remember distinctly an arcade game. 
Uh, it was an mm-hmm. Aliens arcade game that would be in like Pizza Hut or, mm-hmm. and it was a rare find. It was one of the, the X-Men games and the Alien yeah. game. There, there was yeah. the first person shooter where you like had the guns and there were like submachine guns. Then there was also yeah. a side scroller, like beat up kind of, where you, where you had I a side scroller guy with a gun <laughs> and you shot aliens and face huggers and everything. And that, like, that yeah. one was like the Sega Genesis one. Um, yeah. Yes, like the marketing came, I saw the Xenomorph before I even knew what that was. Uh, which is and, probably kind of interesting for a kid's psyche uh, when, you're, yep. when you're in your developmental stages. But yep. I, I, Alien's special to me because in the summer of 2003, we both grew up in Memphis. I grew mm-hmm. up in Bartlett. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm an only child. My parents both worked. So I, I, I'm just came to fill on my own, too. My parents are not movie people at all. So it's sure. something that I independently got into. I got a summer blockbuster pass. Um, mm. where you, all, you can rent up to three movies at a time, like unlimited rentals. And that was what I consider when I was in seventh going into eighth grade, like my film summer where I just went and watched everything that like I'd yeah. ever seen. And I remember the 2003, the director's cut box set came out for, yeah. all the, for all the alien movies, the whole thing. And they had director's commentary, all the special features. Mm-hmm. And I went and rented one, two and three from mm-hmm. Blockbuster and came and watched them. You know, I did like three nights and watched each of them. And they're such different movies and but they're the same plot basically, but they're like right. different movies and kind With of very specific talented filmmakers. You yes. know what I mean? What like, franchise like, has had those? Like, I mean, think about right. that. Yeah. You know, 2003, that might be the timing. That might be what, what sparked me to rent it as well. It was that director's re-release. Yeah, because sure. I remember the box was, you know, the boxes were all holographic and green. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, to a seventh, eighth grade kid, you're like, this fucking rules. I'm going to watch this. It looks awesome. Um, Absolutely. And uh, so I remember watching it and I remember liking, interestingly, even as a 13 year old alien, the most we'll get kind of get mm-hmm. into maybe the, the whole saga yeah. later. But I, yeah. I just liked the it was so quaint. It was small. It was a horror movie at first, I think. Yeah, uh, yep. Five, six characters in it. And I, I liked that. And I liked the kind of, you know, like small environment trapped situation of it. Um, yeah, and as I got older, I appreciated the the other ones. But uh, what what you know? What were your first thoughts seeing Alien? Well, I, I was. I mean, look, as a child, I was pleasantly surprised at how not how uh, how it wasn't super bloody, except for the one scene which we'll talk about, uh, and how uh, it really played on the less is more that Jaws did as well. You know what I mean? It was every frame was full of dread and and, and the promise of attack that. I, it was uh, it, it was restraint. I guess I was impressed by the restraint of it all, and I think that's what makes it so incredibly scary. Yeah, I think I didn't understand. I couldn't have articulated the restraint, why that mm-hmm. works, and why that works for film and equated Jaws back then. But my brain knew it. You know, like I knew something yeah. about it, and that's it didn't what feel like other horror movies. It didn't feel gimmicky. It didn't feel like you know you don't see the monster. And as a, as a kid, you're expecting. You know, it's all over the marketing. It's on the video games. You're expecting to see the xenomorph. And even when you do, it's bathed in shadow and it's kind of hidden. And as a, as a younger as a younger person, I, I wasn't I wasn't you know wary of a, a, a budget constraints and and how they couldn't possibly pull it off like modern movies. Uh, I just I just loved like I was just so afraid of every dark corner of every frame of the movie. Yeah, very much so. The the, uh, the director is Ridley Scott. I think his second film, uh, the British mm-hmm. director, who's now a household name, but back then was not. Um, right. Kind of gets this movie made on the juice of Star Wars. He's like, mm-hmm. hey, look, sci-fi can make you a lot of money, 20th Century Fox. Uh, and look, mm-hmm. Jaws, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make Star, you know, Jaws in space. So he, yeah. he even equated that himself. What's your what's your mileage on, on Ridley Scott? Because I think a lot of people's can vary. I love, I love Ridley Scott because, I mean, 
obviously alien uh is a seminal film but like you know you go to gladiator just his body of work in general makes him you know one of the the, the top directors uh that we're, we're i'm blessed to be able to go to movies still see his movies now you know what i mean i i love ridley i love that in the 80s he was able to do alien and blade runner i think that's amazing and then he's diverse enough that he can go do film and louise in the 90s like the guy's all over the place he's a fantastic filmmaker and um but when it comes to Alien, I, I hope we can talk about Dan O'Bannon. Are you a big O'Bannon guy? <laughs> I uh, I read the script. I read the Alien script, and yeah. uh, and then it, it, the the history is replete with like, I mean, mm -hmm. the classic seventies. Everyone's doing coke and probably pissed that every line from their script isn't in the movie. And then he shows up on set and bitches at yeah. Ridley Scott and all the actors are like, why the hell are you letting this this hack writer on set? And it, I, I love all that strife. I feel like. Sure. This movie and like so many movies that we'll talk about on this podcast, it, it's like happy accidents all over the place. I mean, for sure, the, the casting, the way things break down, the the way that the the corn the, the cost cutting turns into positives for the film, right? All that sort of stuff. Like, I mean, <clears throat> it's just it's wild how it ended up working. Well, out. I wanted to tie it together a little bit because Ridley and uh, and O'Bannon agreed on a few things, and one of them was Ridley is the one who uh, bought into Dan bringing H.R. Giger on board as a designer that was dan had uh had paid out of his pocket to get it to get gear to do artwork and, and start these mock-ups for the movie and uh and it freaked out the studio if i remember right they they wanted to they wanted to they didn't want this sexual perverted looking monster as their you know they, they were used to star wars uh and ridley really kind of went to bat for giger and of course that's what made these iconic creatures and and uh I don't know. I just kind of I love that out of all these big personalities, that's what they agreed on. And in a, in a, especially nowadays, where kind of the art of designing stuff has kind of gone away due to CGI and again too much of but too much budget. Yeah, I mean, this is such a restrained film, as we mentioned before. Mm -hmm. It's hard for me to imagine that Ridley Scott directed it. Ridley Scott's not really known for restraint, uh, especially mm -hmm. as his filmography goes on. I think it's almost like you can really chart it as an upward graph. Um, sure. and, and this was a little bit budgetary, but it really doesn't seem like a, a movie that he directed, or at least, you know, if you were to show someone this and show someone, mm -hmm. um, you know, like some of his later films, but I mean, like sure. uh, body of lies or whatever, you, you, you just, sure. I don't know if you necessarily draw the comparison. Um, but, no. but he, he is talented and he gets really good performances out of his actors. And he really did kind of shape the vision of what, you know, obviously with, the, with Blade Runner, with that uh, cyberpunk look to it. And, and, and with Alien, what he did that was so amazing was if you, if you look at all the other movies that came out around that time, you had, you know, Logan's Run, you know, Star Wars, there was 2001, Barbarella even. Like those movies had a very pristine, uh, futuristic look to them where, where they made space look sexy special and sanitized in a strange way and, and and really looked at space and said let's let, let's have a junk tanker you know let's make it look like you're in like a like a like a boiler room space truckers space, space truckers exactly yeah. and i just love that i love that aesthetic and and i feel like that's been copied more as we as as you know space movies have gone on it's that's what alien did yeah, I mean, you you got practical sets. Uh, you mm -hmm. got like this industrial look. You've got all these set designers talking about using upside down milk crates as the floor. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you've got uh, you essentially want to uh, create like a, a film of claustrophobia and use a yeah. bunch of like natural like truck parts and whatnot to create these, sure. this this uh, this industrial look, as you said. But I mean, here here's where I have to get on my soapbox for a second. So. <laughs> One of my big things, and ask anybody, like you, you, our mutual friend Mitch has heard me go on this fucking tirade multiple times. <laughs> I hate CGI. 
Um, yes. I hate CGI for CGI's sake. I like when it augment things. I like when it's used appropriately. And sure. that line is difficult to discern. It is. It's a, it, it is a very much a tight rope to walk. But I feel like movies like Alien, the reason we can go back and watch them in 2020 and enjoy them, it's nearly 40 years old. Well, it is. Um, yeah. It's 41 years old. Yeah, you've, uh, you've got a situation where all the sets are real. The people are reacting to real things. Mm -hmm. They're walking around mm -hmm. tangible things. And, and your brain is like, this is happening. Whereas yeah. if you watch even a Marvel movie from like six, seven years ago, it's it, you realize it's, they're just in green screen rooms. Like yeah. the actors don't react to anything. And even worse culprit is the prequels, the Star Wars prequels. Um, yeah. it, it's like, you know, Ewan McGregor will be in a room that isn't real at all, talking yeah. to a guy with a tennis ball on his head. And you could just tell it's just not, doesn't feel right. And your right. brain knows it. And people, you know, it just, it just takes you out of it from the get-go. And Ridley does a really great job in this, uh, taking advantage of these sets by the way he shoots it. Remember, this is the time when, uh, you know, sound stages were, were being used for sure. But like he was, he was kind of handheld here, you know, like I know the shining is when the steady cam was used, but he came very close with his handheld tracking with the actors, making that camera move as much as possible and really taking advantage of like the, the, the creepy look of the set. It didn't feel like actors performing in front of screens because they weren't. They were, you know, uh, they were constantly in motion. I think that made it very scary. Yeah, no, for sure. And and the 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 camera movement. I would say like the, I, it's it's hard to imagine a, a better movie with of camera movements. I feel like the camera, mm -hmm. it, it's an underrated part of what makes you feel a certain way when you watch a movie, but. Even the opening it's, scenes where the camera's taking you through it's a, the ship. It's, it's, a, it's a stalker horror movie cliche at this point that was used very well. Uh, and we, no one had seen it in a space movie before. Right. And, you, I mean, it, it, is, uh, it was unique and it was kind of, you know, a, a new time for, for all this stuff. But, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I just like the beginning where they take you through and, and sort of show where you're going to – the film is going to take place. I always like when yes. they're like – because your brain wants to know the confines. It wants to understand mm -hmm. the rules. And so you can sort of, like, get in the ship mm -hmm. with these people. And it, it really does, like, do a good job of showing you where everything's going to take place. Yeah. You can understand the geography of everything. It's got that, like, Mary Celeste thing to it, you know, like the abandoned boat. It's like you see that people have been living here, but they haven't been here. Like, like, but where are they? Where are these people? We don't realize they're sleeping. And it's it's this it's uh, it's just packed, just loaded with dread. And uh, yeah, that's why this is for sure a horror movie. People will argue whether the alien movies are sci fi or this one is horror. Ridley Scott called it the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in space. That was another movie, another touchstone he used. Uh, yep. and, 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 you know, I, I get it. I think that all these movies just started coming out and, and no doubt you can see the influence of him merging all this together. Um, oh, yeah. what are some of the other, the style of the movie that you like? I mean, the pacing's excellent. We talked about it, it takes its time. It like, it dwells mm -hmm. in silence. Uh, it, it lets you live with the, the, the suspense and doesn't yeah. shoot its load too early. You know? Sure. I mean, I'll talk, you know, for a second about the cast. It, it's an ensemble piece, which, which is unusual for, for, uh, for a space movie like this, where tip ensemble pieces are Robert Altman, you know what I mean? Mash, mm -hmm. people talking over each other. This is mash in space. And then you add a horror element to it. I love that. I love how like natural it felt. It almost felt like, again, like The Exorcist or in Friedkin's filmmaking, it feels like a like docu-style in a strange way. Um, that That's that's the acting. Other style stuff is, you know, of course, like I keep saying, the shadows, the darkness. Uh, and it's the same stuff Ridley would do with Blade Runner, where it's you know the the even though the rain just like has such an effect. And why is it raining in space? I don't know, but it's beautiful yeah, and alien. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The the area in which the water's falling and where Parker, yeah, yeah where one of the characters meets oh, his Brett, fate, yeah. Brett, yeah. 
and you know why is there water in there we don't know who cares that you're you don't have but to man, worry about it, it. it's probably it cool, totally cooling works. down it's cooling down the engine you know I, I, that's what i'm telling yeah. myself um Maybe. yeah dan o'bannon he he uh I, I read some stuff about him interesting guy and he uh mm. one thing i read the screenplay too and i know that you know when you have these character introductions sometimes you'll get a quick few lines adjectives to describe them or like yeah. i don't know some, something clever maybe but his yeah. his screenplay gives you the titles and ranks of every character not, not only that but he goes a step further and says that it, it's not gender specific right you know, he, love. He, he, right and you'll note that no everyone calls each other by like their last name or one name reference and there's no pronouns yeah. very rarely are there pronouns using the script because he wanted right. it to be first of all i don't know if that was a marketing technique like he said cast whoever or or what but sure it's brilliant and it's uh, it just it's fun and again makes the reader and the filmmaker gives gives them a, a lot of room to uh, to put their vision together. Very much. Uh, Bannon sued a bunch of writers that used alien in the title after the fact. Mm -hmm. So Dan and a litigation. Uh, he, he had a, a movie called Contamination was originally going to be called Alien Two. Yeah. 20th Century Fox lawyers got on it. The Alien Dead, as you can imagine, after this movie yeah. came out and made money. We saw yeah. people trying to shove the word alien in, around any given noun or, you know, and then the title no itself, it, it is yeah. a, as you mentioned uh, for the Exorcist podcast, it is a salacious title. I mean, it, it, it yeah. is one that it means two things, of course, obviously the titular villain, but then you've yeah. got the idea of something foreign entering your space, you know, literally it's contaminating. It, it's, it's fucking great. And he didn't even yeah. want to call it that to begin with. No, I, he I just think it was called memory. It. Yeah. I think yeah. his first draft is called memory, which is actually kind of a cool title, but does not promise something scary. And right. It really does. Then he called it like dark star or something like that. Or no, something. Dark, now dark star was a movie, was his student movie. He did oh, that's John right. Carpenter, and that's where he kind of got his, uh, sci-fi, uh, credentials that, I mean, long story short, he ended up off Dark Star. Uh, Jodorowsky, Jodorowsky hired him to help him write Dune when he was doing Dune back then. Mm -hmm. And when that fell apart, he kind of went into, uh, you know, he was out of work and ended up coming up with Alien and wrote the first 30 pages or so of a script called Memory that then became, uh, you know, he partnered up with Ron Shusett and they ended up fleshing it out into what is Alien. But um, yeah, Dark Star was a collaboration with him and Carpenter, and uh, and I think Alien was Dan's response to Dark Star being kind of a comedy. He didn't like that. He wanted it to be something scary, and that's how Alien came about. And to the point where Dan actually wanted to direct Alien. I don't know how he agreed to not direct Alien, but um, yeah, that was that was that was going to be his answer to Dark Star. Yeah, that's good background. Um, quick Google trivia: uh, yep. the slime used on the Alien was KY Jelly. Um, that's uh, that's good stuff right there, and and just the notion of having to buy that much KY jelly in mass. I hope that they didn't have to explain it. I hope they just bought it. Whoever fulfilled right. that order or just wondered. Uh, the uh, there's some casting what ifs on on this film that are interesting as they always are, and I, you wonder how much yeah. truth there is to them. But the the big one was that uh, Meryl Streep was almost cast as Ripley. It came down to her and Sigourney wow. Weaver, and evidently Meryl kind of bowed out because her significant other or not, not, I don't know if he, she was married to John Cazale sure. at the time, but he passed. Mm, yeah. And so she was mourning his death and, and didn't, uh, didn't want to do the film. I think she may have been able to channel some of that mourning into the, for sure, the scary parts yeah. of the film. But imagine what is this movie like? Is, is it better? Is it worse? Is it, is it so wildly different? It can't even be considered the same thing if you have Meryl Streep instead of Sigourney Weaver. It's one of those questions, you know, you like, like, uh, I, I don't know. The character is so strong that you wonder if it would be, but at the same time, there's something about Sigourney vulnerable and 
and and she just does not seem like your 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 final girl. I mean, sorry, she seems like a final girl, but she doesn't seem like a hero early on in the movie. She's always kind of uh, being stepped on and talked over, and 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 because she was unrecognizable, it adds you know you really kind of feel for her, and and, um, and that pays off big time when she you know becomes the best that she is at the end. Yeah, and and it worked. So I don't, I don't you know, yeah. I don't know if there's value in what it would seem like with Meryl. And obviously, Meryl's an incredible actress, right. and we see her career go forward. But yeah, that, that is interesting. And you know, we're I mean, is that that's shortly after Kramer versus Kramer, Meryl? So that's like you know, oh, right. that's uh, her, yeah. you know, really on the scene. Um, let's uh, let's also talk about another casting. What if that was that Tommy Lee Jones met uh, to play Dallas, and he read the script mm-hmm. twice, and he thought that the only good character in it worth playing was the alien itself. Uh, and that, which is, I don't know if that's true, but I love Tommy Lee Jones sitting in a room with 20th Century Fox and basically saying yeah. that the alien is the only interesting character. Um, oh, and and uh, I, I don't know how that went over. I mean, like this was the 70s, so you know, yeah. you're telling what happened before or after that. But I, I love that yeah. the notion of that. I did too. I love, I love like you have to remember the, the idea of alien is such, especially at that time, it's such a B movie idea. But the fact that they're going to these actors is really fascinating. Sure, yeah, big, there's a, big a bunch of them, movie. Right, like laugh their asses off. The the uh, blue laser lights that were used in Alien Ships Chambers were borrowed from the Hoot. Uh, they were testing oh, wow. out the lasers for their uh, sound on the sound stage next door for their upcoming tour. Um, makes sense, you know, checks out. Yeah, and, for sure. And it's it's like using using real life things as part of a set and aesthetic can really like. I didn't think that looks like a rock band. Right, you know, right. But but now that you say it, it like oh it kind of does. You know, it definitely yeah. looks like I've seen those you know, like cast out over me at like a tool concert or something. Um, yeah. but that's, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting to use what you got. Of course, shot in Britain, shot, shot on the sound mm-hmm. stage out, I think in Pinewood. Uh, yeah. Mistaken. Or, Sh- or Shepperton, one of those. Or yeah. Both. I think, I I, I, I think Shepperton's Shepherd? right. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's, uh, that was interesting to read. Test shots of the egg were filmed using hen's eggs and that footage <laughs> ended up going in the original trailer, which I, I didn't put at the beginning of this cause it is just, it's just music and images and that wouldn't play as well on a pod. Um, yeah, and uh, it, but it's become emblematic of the franchise because the cover it, it still is it is a mm-hmm. regular egg with green ooze emitting from it, and whereas we know now the alien eggs are actually like look totally different. They're right. leathery and reptilian looking, um, but cover. for some reason it never really occurs to me. Like I, I, no. I when I see the cover, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, it, I had no it, idea. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a classic IMDb trivia. But uh, you have any other just general thoughts on Alien or the writer director or anything you wanted to mention before we get into categories? Uh, you know, I mean, Walter Hill was going to direct it at one time, which I always find really kind of cool. And then he he passed on it to go do. Uh, I think he did a war movie, but he passed on it because again he thought it was a B movie. Walter so I always, Hill, I always of, love that. Butch Cassidy fame, correct? Uh, did he do Butch Cassidy? I, 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 I like Walter. Butch Cassidy. I like Walter Hill from Streets of Fire. I don't mm. know if you've ever seen that. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah, but um, um, and he like uh, did a lot of script doctoring too. And, and yeah, this is a you know this is a script that went through a lot of different passes. It's credited to Dan O'Bannon and and Walter Hill. Um, mm-hmm. But then it's this is one of those where I think every script doctor in town kind of had a hand in a, a line here or there. Apparently, I mean, the dialogue was very improvised. So th- this is always fascinates me as a writer, and then and you more in the industry. But I I wonder if these scripts when they come out later, is it like the script is edited to be what ultimately became or because mm-hmm. a lot of the dialogue matches up from the script, but then you hear yeah. a lot of it. So it's like, where, what came first? The, it depends. The I mean, that's, really, that's why you got to see the title page and see which draft it is. Cause you know, they do, they do do like, they have the shooting scripts 
and those typically get released. So it's probably the shooting script, which is a combination of a lot of people's. I guess, I mean, that's what the writers go with. I mean, O'Bannon got sole credit, which is kind of interesting because that script was rewritten over and over again. Oh, he did? I thought Walter Hill got a credit. Maybe he got a story no, by? No, the story by was Ron and Dan. And I think Walter tried to get it because they oh, rewrote right. it. Part of Walter's contrib- contribution was uh, the Ash character. You know what I mean? The the, the android character. Um, and and he rewrote that script probably you know eight or nine ten times. And then, um, but yeah, no, the Writers Guild gave it to Dan, which is awesome. Yeah, that is good. The, the draft I read was late '78, so right before shooting. I have to imagine those shooting. There you scripts. go. But it had yeah. a draft on it. It was like the you know some on down the down the line of drafts. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is a it is a movie that you can watch now. It's suspenseful and it, it fucking looks great, man. It, it mm-hmm. is such a well shot movie. Um, it's and a I beautiful Blu-ray up. too. It's a beautiful yeah. Blu-ray if you if you if you have that. It's a it's a widescreen beaut. I mean, all those mm-hmm. the seventies movies, the, the 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 vistas and sort of the wide shots of the hallways, and I mean all that stuff. Anytime they show space, and it, it's yeah. um, it's good stuff. We see a lot of miniature work in this movie. We see a lot mm-hmm. of things you know lifted from Star Wars and put into place here. And and you know, anytime you see these long sweeping shots of the ship, it's usually like a camera on a dolly passing by a miniature and. Um, all, all that stuff works. It looks great. It really does. It, it's yeah. hard to imagine that it's 40 years old. I know. Um, I, it's, it's impossible to fathom, really. If you think about, um, you know, like in in the uh, in 2000, something that came out in 1960 would seem like so ancient. I know. Far. I mean, I think about it. We saw if we saw if we saw for the first time in 03, That's let's do the math here. It's 24 years ago, right? It's like us. It's like us doing a pod about The Rock or like Con Air or Face Off or something. Like, it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Yeah, which I'm sure uh, we need to do at some point. Um, yeah, for yeah, sure. You know, movies that are not quite of the same ilk, but uh, but are equally as good in their own right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's get into some of the categories. The uh, mm-hmm. the the first category typically is who gets the most buckets in the movie, best acted. Uh, it's an interesting question. The acting categories are a little weirder for this one because there is like, you know, what six main leads. Mm-hmm. Um, and then including the, the, the tall, I forgot what his nationality was, but he was like a, a tall foreigner. He was like seven feet tall and like yeah. 190 pounds. So he was thin and tall the, and could play the alien, yeah. which we now know is the xenomorph, but is not mentioned as the xenomorph in this movie. And right. all the lore is sort of filled in after the fact. And we sort of projected onto this movie. But when this movie came out, like it was, I think the beauty of it is that you don't know where any of this comes from. It's no. the unknown. And you, and I love never, it. But also, when you see the creature, you've never seen it before because of a unique design. This isn't your typical B-movie alien look. This is, you know, it's Swedish H.R. Giger's original design and creation, yeah. Yeah, awesome. very much so. But, okay, in terms of actor, I mean, look, you have to go with Sigourney. She she became a superstar after this. That's, this is the Sigourney category for this movie. It's like absolutely. there's no other answer. So I'll let you do, you know, three minutes on Sigourney. I mean, I don't really – I mean, she still carried the movie through – I guess four other movies. It, she was a Broadway actress, if I remember right. She she was a theater actress at the time, and uh, the idea of casting her as a lead was risky. Um, the character was originally actually written as a man. Uh, I, I don't really know what else to say except for the fact that you know uh, she just kind of like blew the socks out of off of an ensemble and and inspired many people to to see. Uh, a power like she is a powerful female that like people still name their dogs and cats Ripley and, and the the name Ripley has be has stood for you know a badass chick. Yeah, twenty nine years old um, when the movie mm-hmm. was filmed and released, and that's hard to imagine too. Uh, that's younger yeah. than us now. That's that's kind of 
Um, because Sigourney Weaver's kind of looked like that for like, or mm-hmm. like she did as an alien for like for twenty years. I feel like she looked almost exactly like that. Uh, right. So that that was uh, that was interesting to see that she was so young at the time. Uh, her, her character has a, a really small arc, but it's good. It's that she is kind of get, getting walked over at the beginning, and mm-hmm. you know, at the end, she is the final girl, but, and, and kind of is the archetype for what we imagine when, we, when people write like strong female characters. It sounds kind of like minimizing the notion of it or like the general archetype, but yeah. it's like, but it is. I mean, this is '79. This is before yeah. anything like this existed, so you have to talk right. about it as like what it ultimately influenced. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it can't work without Sigourney's performance. Right. No, she was she was great. And again, she was such a revelation that she built a massive, massive film career after after this little horror movie, so to say. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, there, you really can't speak enough superlatives about her in this movie. And it, it she really like she doesn't get too far into schlock. There's no sort of scene where she's just screaming mm-hmm. for screaming sake. I think she right. really does a good job at channeling what fear actually is. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like 50 style, like you know, screaming like uh, uh, Twilight Zone, like the housewife in the apron puts her like gloved hands up to her face and screams. It's like, it's quiet fear. It's like, you're so scared. You don't even know what to do. And the, you know, singing the, my little, or twinkle, twinkle, little star or whatever the song. Love love that. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it, it makes her, you really identify with her regardless of your gender. And I think that's important. She is the everyman, so to say. She is, you know, the person that's just trying to do their best, the, the the best job they can. Even, even that scene where you know they're trying to bring John Hurt in, and she's refusing to let them in. She's just, you know, she she's just trying her best to do a good job and finds herself in a really shitty situation, and then has to step up. And uh, she's great. She is um, six man slash woman award makes the hmm. most of their role of limited screen time. We. Most most of everyone has the same ish kind of screen time because it really is yeah. an ensemble. But who yeah. came to mind when you when you read that category? I mean, time? when I read that category, I go immediately to Harry Dean Stanton. But I don't know whether that's because I love his character in this movie or because I just love Harry Dean Stanton. He, it's you know, kind of he, one of the same. He's basically playing yeah. himself. Like, he's playing himself, and it's the first time I saw him. And, and you know, he's been hundreds of movies. I mean, not over a hundred movies probably. But he's you know he's your typical space trucker. Doesn't want to be there. Uh, with like funny, like I love that little parrot exchange she has with, uh, with uh, I'm blanking on, on Yafet Koto's name. Parker, uh, I think. Parker, right, yeah. right, right. I, I love them. I love their little relationship. I can watch a whole movie with them. Um, and yeah, Parker's got like amazing zingers and one line, like li- li- lines here and there that are just hilarious. But I, I go Harry Dean Stanton. It's his face. I love that face. Uh, yeah, and, and really, he, I think he really qualifies this work because he is the first to go. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. second to go from from Alien proper, but yeah, you know, he, he uh, doesn't get a lot of chance to shine. I I, I think it's a good pick. I, I I picked John Hurt. I think that um, you know, For we sure. have to talk about John mm-hmm. Hurt to some extent. He he is a guy that like I, I think I'd seen so many movies with him after as an old man. That it was weird seeing him somewhat young. But let me yep. ask you, how old do you think he was when he shot this movie? Uh, I actually know I know the answer. So I I don't know. Should, should I tell you? Yeah, go ahead. Is he like 29, 28? He is thirty nine. When he shot oh, the damn it. Okay. Yeah. I thought I was off. I thought I had it. I'm way off. No, but he looks to me, he looks like he's 50. You know, he, he's like guy yeah. that's always looked a little older. And I think, I mean, he's chain smoking cigarettes the whole film and you know, he probably was also. <laughs> yeah. And that's just sort of the, the way things were. He's just this kind yeah. of this old Brit guy that probably has done theater in London for 20 years. Um, right. And yeah, he, he actually had a pretty established career if I remember right. Like, like he was kind of a get. Yeah, and so he was a recognizable face in the midst of some of these no-names. Of course, Tom Skerritt is another sort of, let's anchor yeah. the movie and get a budget. 
but yeah, I mean, John Hurt like is the is kind of the crux of the the most pivotal scene in the movie, or one of the most pivotal scene in the movie, the chess person yeah. scene, which we'll talk about a little later. Okay. I, I, he's uh, I love his his character is the first to wake up, the first to die. I love that he mm. says the line "I feel dead." That's great fucking writing. Yeah, that's, that's such a good setup for a payoff for later. For sure. Uh, for sure. So it's just uh, I think he's kind of like the center of you know. I feel like, I feel like. Remind me though, it's been a little bit since I saw it, but did he wake up and say something like, oh, you know, I was str- I was choking in my dream or I was being strangled in my dream? I don't know. him? No, I don't. I, don't, uh, I, don't. Of, I feel like he may have done that out of when they got out of uh, the cryo sleep. Yeah, that's what he, he says. Like, because uh, I, I, they asked him what he remembers, and he said, yeah, I have a mm-hmm. dream that I was being choked or that, that you know, I was yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's, when he, that's when he gets out of the, when he wakes up after the face hugger falls off of him. Oh, never. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't cryospace. Got it. Um, so yeah, the, the, uh, I, I like John Hurt in this film and he, he mm-hmm. like, he, he parodied this role with Spaceballs, uh, where right. you know, the, the, the chest burster is about to burst out again and he says, not this again. And yeah, it's, uh, it kind of, uh, you know, then he, but then he goes on to do like Harry Potter. He plays like all of right. Harry Potter and he plays like, he, he's, he shows up as the old guy, like that you just know of and it has a second life as, as kind of like a old guy actor for lack yeah. of a better way to put it. You know, we should also, it's kind of cheating, but I also want to give some props to who, who uh, Ian Holm, who actually recently died. But R. again, R. the guy, Android, it's a big twist in the movie. And if you, re- like on the rewatch, or if you just watch him early on in the movie, it's it, the way Ridley shoots him is just like, he's telling us the whole time this guy is different. You know, when everyone's freaking out about, and during the chest burster scene, this guy's kind of, he's he's interested. He's mm. galvanized by it. I don't know. I, I love, I, I just love him in that movie. So creepy. The, uh, I think one of the, 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 one of the better shots is when the, the crew goes in to investigate and it shows Ash in profile against the, kind of the front cockpit and he's sitting in the chair and he's looking up at the TV and you can tell mm-hmm. he's like deathly calm and more intrigued than frightened. That, or, exactly. And so you're just like, and, and again, when you know the twist that he is the Android, it's like, you can read his every. He doesn't eat at any point. Um, right. It's just uh, it, it's 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 fantastic writing and, and directing yeah. to yeah. tell us everything we needed to know before the the twist. Um, yeah. And rewards we watched. So yeah, agreed. Uh, eventually plays Bilbo Baggins, uh, the old Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. Which is, I think the first time I saw him, I, I think. Um, but yeah. I didn't recognize him as Ash, if anything, because he didn't have the little Hobbit fro. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no. You know, it's funny. He's one of those guys, like, off the top of my head, I can't name many movies he's in, but, like, I knew his name, and I, I've i seen him in a bunch of stuff. He's one of those original character actors. Again, he was in his, like, late 40s when he did this movie. Right. And, yeah, it's, a, it's and, an old cast. Very old yeah. cast. Um, yeah. I also play single greatest scene, so I've got five or six nominations here. You can fill in one. I've got... The landing yeah. on the moon, the investigation of the distress signal, finding the eggs, face hugger attack on Kane, that whole stretch... I've mm-hmm. got the the chest bursting scene. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got the first alien scene where the alien kills Brett yep. in the landing leg compartment with with Jonesy the cat. Shout yeah. out Jonesy, by the way. Good good cat acting. Good Probably cat, very difficult. Great, great name. Yeah, it is. Uh, Dallas with the movement sensor and the duck system. That's mine. Um, yeah. Rip, Ripley versus Ash. Uh, the self destruction sequence, and then the final escape pod airlock battle uh, yep. at the end, which I always consider a a. A good reversal. I think the original script had the movie ending where you thought it would, where you know the the ship explodes and she's home free. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Ridley Scott suggests that the alien make it onto the escape pod, and then they have this which, last last scene that old, which, that, that old double ending, which but but it works here. Yeah. It does. I mean, before probably before those were at all common. Now something yep. like that happens, 
you almost expect it to happen. Yeah. Um, and you know, because they, alien, right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's hard to imagine that not being a trope. In fact, like kind of creating a subversive trope. Right. But uh, so any other scenes that I missed that you want to talk about? No, I mean, first of all, you named five great scenes in a movie. That's not the, not a super long movie. I, I so, mean, like, the, the problem with this movie is I basically named every scene in the movie. Right, like, and these are and these are all what you would call like iconic scenes. I wanted to talk about the Dallas air duct scene just because that was like that was a jump scare that still gets me. It's a beautiful jump scare because of the, the, the multiple things working there. You know, you have him crawling around these ducks in the dark. You know, the aliens there somewhere. And again, as a kid who was you know saw Alien through a video game where the aliens popping out of the walls and the ducks, like I could that was the scariest thing in the world. It's like a descent. It's claustrophobic. And then you have then you have Lambert on her monitor with a little blinking dot, and it's it's getting closer, it's getting closer, and that one like that one reveal of you see the xenomorph in all of its glory for a split second before he kills Dallas. I, I think that's it's so iconic, and that is such cinema and horror, and it's just I mean besides the chestburster scene, that's that's the one that I, I think about like all the time. I, how can I write something that effective? It, it is. I, I agree. When I first saw it, I really, really enjoyed that scene. A, a quick note, though, when the alien jumps out at him, it try, like it always tries to give him a hug, I, I think. Yeah, like, it I, does I, have the arms out. Yeah. It also, you're, you're a dog lover. I know you have a dog. I have a dog. And and <laughs> my dog, all the time, when, when she gets very excited, leaps up and does the alien thing. Oh, like, yes. she st- extends her arms out. And I can't. I can't, can't ever unsee the, the xenomorph and the duct and it always makes me laugh. So like now I'm always kind of reminded by that. So it's sort of like discredited a little bit that, that yeah. moment. But when I first saw that 2003, I, I was like, cause the, the best jump scares are the ones where you should, you can see the thing before you yeah. see, before you realize it's there. And yeah. and so when he comes down, you could kind of see the glint of it before he turns oh, the yeah. flamethrower. It's, it's the haunted house feeling. It's right. like when you're in, when you're in a haunted house, you know, someone, if someone's hiding in the corner, you see the silhouette and then it comes at you. Oh, Awesome, and uh, and it's got a bunch of things working there, and you got like the, they they set up the the little gadget that Dallas comes up with. I love a good yeah. uh, you know like a gadget where they tell you this is how it works, and uh, the auditory guy. and visual stuff like it's fucking fantastic. It's that trope uh, that they made fun of in, in I think in Spider Man, like you're the guy in the chair that's walking the hero through, uh, <laughs> through you know take take a left, take a right, it's a Mission Impossible thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the yeah the guy in the front of the computer or whatever. Yeah, the computer yeah. guy in the computer. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah. Really good scene. Really good scene. Uh. The chest bursting scene. I feel like is the. I feel like the answer. Like objectively. Yeah. Because it is. It's a showstopper. It's it's the one that when you're reading that script, it's when you. That's when you realize you're not going to put it down. And it's when you're in the audience. That's when you realize what the threat is. Yes. The and it it is a unique. I mean, obviously, never nothing like that ever. I think it's shown up in American cinema, and it was a graphic scene you know you hear stories about like the exorcist of vomiting and people yeah. like sitting away from the screen and feeling like the blood was popping off and onto them you know yeah. Ridley Scott shot it didn't tell anybody when it was going to mm-hmm. happen didn't tell everyone how much the blood was going to explode out so all the reactions were as real as you can get in that sort of situation yeah. I feel like that is pretty common to get reactions sure. like that you hear that a lot um, sure. this is another situation where I wish I could flash back and see this movie in a live audience, like mm-hmm. as part of that before we grew up in an era, like we mentioned of like really graphic shit. So yep. the gore didn't really get me in a sense, like on this movie, because I'd seen so much mm-hmm. ridiculous shit before that, like the late, the two thousands horror movies were basically just gore fest. Right. Um, so I, I, but I wish I could go back and 
but, but what that, makes right? it what makes it really affecting or like what got me when i saw it for the first time was we go back to john hurt's performance and it's that moment of choking where he's he's choking and sputtering and and you know something's up with him we just saw something on his face um and and it just seems so painful like uh, and i'm gonna bring up a little trivia here you know how dan o'bannon like he had crohn's you know this no he had severe Crohn's. Like I think it's basically what killed him with stomach, stomach cancer of sorts. But it started with with this uh, with horrible Crohn's disease. So he always felt like something was trying to burst its way out of him. So that's how he kind of came up with that moment. But but not only not only is that really cool, but like also this scene is like the the scene that basically got the movie made because uh, when Dan originally wrote Memory, he wrote you know twenty nine pages and he couldn't figure out what the alien was and how it's going to get on the ship. And then it was Ron Shusett who, you know, who had the story by credit that said it should, it should have sex with one of the, with one of the, uh, one of the crew members, like implanted seed in them. And that's how they were like, we're going to do it through the face. And, 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 and the chest burster scene is what unlocked the rest of the script. That's how you got the alien on board. I don't know. I thought that, I think it's really just kind of cool. Not only is it scary, but it works. The sexual component too, you know, the whole impregnation of the the male, you know, and that that being kind of a thorough line of like making men uncomfortable. That was something they were going for and that sort of feeling. Um, and, and so it was another weird, like part of your brain that you didn't know was being kicked in was the psycho Freud sexual stuff, but you know, it's, it's there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. And and it makes sense that that cracked the rest of the story about how do you get the alien on board? And mm-hmm. that is, you know, it's a unique premise. And now it's like, you can't, you know, that you can't do that without mm-hmm. being a total ripoff. Like it's I shocking know. that that wasn't a thing before then, but that's just, that's good writing um, mm-hmm. and spinning it to your advantage. I, I I mean, it's a chestburst scene probably. And I mentioned all the other good scenes. I do like the self-destruction sequence, a lot of Ridley handheld yep. uh, following Ripley through the halls of love the strobe lights, love the sounds. Like the sound effects are fucking amazing. The sound design and mixing on this movie yeah. is incredible because you know on the set it was nothing, right? It was just like flashing lights and and Ridley That's Scott right. with a camera telling her what was happening and how to act. But then yep. when you put it all together, it's amazing. All the jet stream shooting through like the yeah. whatever the the ventilation and I, I mean it just you just yeah, like it's nothing. It's just you're following her through the ship. Nothing happens. Uh, but it's so but, fucking intense uh, again because you don't know when the xenomorph is going to pop out and where it's going to pop out from. It's just so like well orchestrated. It is. It's uh, it, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So uh, I mean, it, it is. It's it's fucking good shit. The uh, at the end, the uh, the escape pod scene. Uh, the originally original plan was to have Ridley strip and then have the alien essentially get aroused by by her her female <laughs> form. And so to yeah. kind of like harp on that, and and I think that got shot down by the studio. Yeah. But but there's actually a huge backlash to why Sigourney Weaver strips for no apparent reason. I mean, she strips because she's about yeah. to go into cryo sleep, but right. a lot of people thought it was a little bit exhibitionist and, you know, kind of, I mean, but going that's back, going 70s, back right? The B movie horror. Route. Right. Right. Uh, so showing some skin and something that I read too, about the, uh, the last scene is that the alien itself is apparently going there to die. It is. Uh, it doesn't go on the pod to uh, to hunt her. It it's actually crawls up in there to die. You, apparently, they purposely made its skin like mm-hmm. a little bit like lighter or whatever. Like it was slowly fading away. Wow. Like its, its entire purpose is to live for like eight hours and kill everything, right. and then and then die because its life cycle is so quick. Oh, interesting. Didn't and, know that. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, I don't know if that's anyone's intention, but that that's that's stuff I read. And they said the only reason it actually comes out is because you know she fucks with it. And, uh, right. you know, sprays it and gets it to come out of the shaft. And so then yeah. she blows it in the airlock. 
Um, yeah, but, but, but good cool. scenes. And, and as I wrote those scenes, I was like, this is the whole movie. So I'm doing a really bad job of picking out scenes. But no, but, but there you go, right? That's kind of yeah. the whole thing. Most quotable quote. This is not. A, I mean, this is not a movie you think of with dialogue. I was about to say it's not a. It's not. It's not a quotable movie. There were a couple moments that like I chuckled at, which which is you know like it's not a. It's not a dry. It's not a scary quote or a foreboding quote. But like I always loved, like Parker had the best one liners. Like I love when he looks at John Hurt and he's like, "Anybody ever tell you you look dead, man?" Mm-hmm. Like I love that, and you know I love like during the chest versus scene the moment. John Hurt's like sputtering. He's like, "Hey, man, the food ain't that bad." Like little, mm. little like moments of levity there were great, but it's not the most quotable movie. What, like, what's the most famous one? If you, if you, if you had to pick, I think the most famous one is the tagline: "In space, no one can hear you scream." It's not a quote, it's, even. It's, but it's not the, a quote, but it's a tagline. Yeah, and, and so I like I stuck that in there. I cheated a little bit because I was like, "That's yeah. what I think of." I think of that poster that, with the green hen's egg, uh, or yeah. the hen's egg oozing green in that tagline. Um, yeah. but yeah, like I, I, Ash's kind of summation of the alien I admire sure. is purity, survivor, unclouded by conscious remorse or deci- delusions of morality. Um, there you go. That's really great. And then, you know, I love like, uh, Ripley's like, like badass moment where she says, you know, she traps the alien. She's like, I got you, you son of a bitch. I mm-hmm. love that. That's, it's that Jaws thing. You know, the smile, you son of a bitch. It's, it's right there. It Same is uh, it's a hard boiled line, but it doesn't seem like cheesy. No. And then you got uh, the you bitch to mother when she, when mother <laughs> seems to be impeding her progress. And you love that. Um, the uh, I, the Dallas line where that was in the trailer that I played, but it has like that. He has the, the explanation about why they stopped and sort of the inciting incident of the, mm-hmm. the story where he he says, you figured out that we're not home yet. We're only halfway mm-hmm. there. Mother's woken us up. And, and they, they interrupt him and she's programmed to do that. Should certain conditions arise, they have. Right. And, and it's right. just like the, he give, he kind of gives the whole like, here's where we're going. Yeah. Like for the next like whatever foreseeable future. And I just like yeah. his his casual Tom Skerrettness. You know, yeah. he's like he knows he's like the handsomest, probably most famous guy on set. And so yep. he just sits there. I feel like he's chewing sunflower seeds, even if he's not. He has that kind sure. of like air about him. I, I He has a baseball player type vibe. Look, he's got the he's got the Charlie Bronson hero type thing going for him, and then what's so great is you know they they kill him kind of fairly early into you know like he does, he doesn't make it for the third act, and you know it's an all bets are off moment. That's how that's why you get so much uh, Ripley love because there is no there is no traditional hero. Very much. Um, any other quotes come to mind? I mean, I, I, the answer to your question is no. There's not really like a quote that it's known for. It's it's a I visual mean, movie. I'll tell you what always affected me when I was young was like 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 Sigourney Weaver or I, maybe it was Ash talking about the alien's blood being acid. That always freaked me out. The idea that you can try to kill this thing, but even killing it's going to cause more destruction. Mm. Yeah, you like know? and one guy says like that's a great defense mechanism, or like kind of says right. You know, like, it's you a lot of a- like you said, it's a it's a six piece where they've got people talking over each other. All in the comparisons app where you've got people all reacting and talking over right. each other. A lot of dual dialogue going on. So it does take you know to listen to the tracks and figure out what's being said, and it, it all it's all dense and, and works. Um, sure. If you could replace any character with Nick Cage, who would it be and why? I, I would replace the alien's inner mouth with Nick Cage's head. So the alien yeah. opens its head, and then yeah, Nick Cage's Nick face Cage. comes out. Yeah, uh, I love that. that. I, I I would do a, a Nick Cage's mother, just have him be the one telling them what to do. <laughs> him being the voice. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> the, yeah. Speaking of mother, the mother room is the cheesiest room of the of the movie, and it looks so starkly. That's like the worst uh, set. I feel like because it looks well, like a bunch of Christmas lights. Of, 
yeah, well, it reminds me of 2001. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it feels, it doesn't feel like the world Ridley Scott created for Alien. You know, it doesn't I get feel it. grungy. It's, it's the mothership area. It is like the, yeah. you know, but I don't know. It always, that felt a little off to me. Definitely. Um, I want to talk agree. about the music real quick. Uh, the score is composed by Jerry Goldsmith. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like it is a, it is such a unique score. And I don't know how to necessarily describe it. It's not like John Williams. But I know it's alien when I hear it, and it, it does right. have a quality to it that is, you know, it's. I mean, it's it's threatening. It's but it's mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful. It hits a lot of harmonics, and it it, it is a very like brass heavy score and mm-hmm. very string heavy score. So it's not like a lot of horror movie type scores. Uh, right. I don't know. It, it uh, you know, nominated for Golden Globe and Grammy for best soundtrack. Yeah. And there you go. And then I, Goldsmith, if I remember right, Goldsmith was like, again, it's not a typical project for him. He wasn't doing these kinds of movies. So I, I, good for the studio and good for Ridley and all them for going out and getting like real craftsmen. It worked. I mean, it, it, and you get what you pay for. When you get yeah. quality people doing their jobs at the high level, It then the accidents become happy accidents. They don't become mistakes mm-hmm. that people make fun of for the rest of time. Like your movie's talked about by two like 30-something-year-old white guys like 40 right. years after it comes out. Um Mileage on the sequels. What, what's your like? What's your take on the Alien saga? Are okay. you a fan? Or are you not? Uh, I love them all for very different reasons. And okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Uh, I kind of people love to say they love they love Alien. Like they play Aliens two in front of Alien one a lot because it is an action film and it's James Cameron. But uh, Alien one is by far the best. The best of them. There's just there's just no there's no argument there in my opinion. I love Alien one. Then I go Aliens 2, and it's a very bold move to go ahead and, and say, we're not doing a horror movie. We're going to do a straight-up action flick. Almost, you know, like Rambo 2, you know. And, and so I love that. I love, I love it because it's so different. And now it's it's like, you know, when you want to talk about sequels, you go, well, you know, we're going to go after the Alien 2 model. Like, model. like it became a thing to make a bigger sequel. Hmm. Um, Aliens 3 was one I never really enjoyed growing up. But now as, I, as I'm older, I do kind of appreciate it because of the same kind of reason as aliens do. It just changes things. It goes so, so out there that it's like it, it gives itself a purpose for being made. It's like, let's go ahead and make crazy decisions and, and, and kill off two beloved characters and start a movie on a penal colony, you know, and, and let's go ahead and give the film to a 25, 26 year old music video director. It's just it's so strange that I have to admire it. And then Alien 4, again, let's go get the guy that did, you know, Delicatessen and uh, 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 what was his other big movie? Well, he did Amelie later, right? Yeah. But what was it? What was he did before? Written by, Joss, written by Joss Whedon. Uh, the Resurrection Script written, written by, by Joss, Joss Whedon. Joss which is, Whedon. Which is a, a, oh. funny, a funny little thing. Yeah. Um, and, and you could tell that's a Joss Whedon script. That's, that's more like Firefly or whatever. Like the Resurrection's more. Everyone's got a it joke. Is. Everyone's got a one-liner. And, yeah. and I'll say, like, I didn't really like, like Resurrection, but Resurrection was one of those that came out when I was, you know, I remember seeing that trailer in theaters. I don't know if you remember the trailer, but it was, it's it's the black of space and the twinkling, you know, twinkling lights and twinkle, twinkle, little stars playing. And then, and like, that's it. And it's so scary because, again, as someone who hasn't seen Alien yet, it, it's such a terrifying, like, uh, contrast of like this children's lullaby with the darkest space and no one can hear you scream. And then the movie ended up being fairly goofy, but it has, it has those like, it's, it's a beautiful looking movie with a lot of really quirky characters. And I, I just admire it. And then I can talk, you know, a whole nother podcast on Prometheus. I love Prometheus. 
even though it pissed off a lot of people. I love it, and I think it holds up way better than it did when it first came out. And and I even like Covenant because it's it's Ridley's reaction to people who hated Prometheus. And yeah, I admire. It. I just I just I I love the world that they that that he created, and uh, and I guess you know Sigourney's a through line for the first four sequels, but um. I don't know. I, I'm a fan of them in general, but I go, I go one, two, three, Prometheus, Covenant, and then uh, Resurrection. Yeah, I, 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 I honestly prefer to only think there's two. Um, yeah. that's, that's just kind of the way I go about it. I just like Terminator, man. Like it's, you know, and, and hey, ironically, hey, you got the, James the Cameron. Ter- yeah. The last Terminator was actually pretty solid. I don't know yeah. if you saw it. No, I did, and that's the that's that's the standard we've gotten to, though. Is that we're like, oh, okay. eh, it wasn't that bad. You know, it's like I'd rather not be there. I'd rather just like en- enjoy the first two and just pretend like the that, others don't exist. That's um, fair. I uh, it, it's Alien and Aliens for me. I, I'm, I'm not even a big James Cameron guy, but I appreciate how mm-hmm. he made the exact same movie. But it, but just it, it is bigger. Is his right. it's his version of it? Yeah, right. It's not restrained at all. No, it's not scary at all. But it's big and loud and mean. And Bill Paxton is awesome in it. Oh yeah, I mean, game over, man, game over. That's, uh, this is great. And so, yeah. but I, 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 I like Prometheus. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell you that I rewatched Alien Three like a week or two ago, in yeah. the middle of kind of like the, you know, the, the David Fincher. I've been watching a bunch of Fincher. Sure. And um. Dude, it, I, I could not get into it. I really, just, really wanted to like it because I was like, oh, I get it. Like, no one yeah. understood it. It's Fincher, though. Like, it, but, it you is, know, it's we, such we, a bizarre big studio movie. You it know is. What I mean? To me, it's too, it's boring. It is just a boring film. Like, that's fair. I, I, I just can't. There's some stuff that I'm like, that's good. I wish Fincher would have been able mm-hmm. to, like, exercise his vision. There's some yeah. stuff that's really good, but it is such a meddled with movie. It is such a clear, like, studio interfere. And, and, we, and we know the that's thing the case. That really, the thing that really blew it is, is the effects are almost sci-fi channel level bad. Right. Uh, that, that, that was like, it's almost unforgivable. But like the idea of killing off two beloved characters from aliens, like I got, I just admire it. It's like, look, that's a big, big swing. And did it work? Absolutely not. But I, I still kind of watch it out of like, I wouldn't say hate watch it because I genuinely enjoy it. But uh it's definitely not a good movie. It's it's not and it's not like funny bad either. It's that weird area no. in between where you don't want to be, where it's like well, you it reminds made... me that it reminds me of that era of like the Judge Dredd Sylvester Stallone movie. Like I have a almost like a nostalgia for that where of like I don't want to say bad sci-fi, but like sci-fi that was in the in-between world of like, you know, trying to use new technology, but still kind of they're still kind of not there yet, but just taking those swings. I don't know. I just appreciated it. Yeah, I uh, I wish there'd be more more Fincher and less 20th Century Fox. But alas, that's yeah. I'm yeah. sure Fincher does too. To- totally discredits the movie. Doesn't even associate. It was the oh, one director oh, yeah. to not not film a commentary. commentary. Yeah. But there's uh, if you, if you have the time, there's plenty of uh, video of him directing on set on YouTube on the set of Alien Three, and it's fascinating because he's this again. He's this 26 year old and he's pissed off the whole time, the whole shoot. He's mad at the studio. He's mad at crew members. He's yelling. He's like the Fincher everyone knows and loves now, but like mm-hmm. as a twenty-six-year-old, and the footage is just is just wonderful. Everyone's like, "Fuck this guy!" Yeah, like well, they, no, but like the crew, everyone kind of like likes him because he's good at his job. He yeah. knows what he's doing. He's clearly he's, a savant. Like he's he's like a Beethoven, like Mozart. Yeah, like he's, he's it's audacious. He's yeah. just audacious. It's it's uh, it's fascinating. Um, but I you know I I put I liked Covenant more than I. 
like to admit, but I, so I think it's I, alien I, I aliens like too. Yeah. It's 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 really just it's like hey let's do this shit all over again and let's remake yeah. Alien. But I, I think the strength of Fassbender's performance is David and then the uh, Walter or whatever. That's that's good shit. Um, well, so you that know, kind it's of Ridley. It. Ridley loves his androids, and I don't know if you're watching Raised by Wolves, but I'm enjoying that too. Have you have you tried that yet on HBO Max? No, I haven't seen it yet. And so Ridley Scott directed it. Aaron Guzikowski wrote it. Who did uh, Prisoners? Oh yeah, which I love. Which I love. Yeah. And Raised by Wolves is, is it's just expanding that that Prometheus type world and, and focusing on androids. And it's I don't know. I mean, look, Ridley did androids with uh, Blade, Blade Runner, Runner as well. Oh. Yeah, he just he he kind of goes all in on it. And I, I I like it. It's just fun. Yeah, uh, I'll check that out, and then yeah. then I have Prometheus, then Resurrection, Alien Three's last, and I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I wanted to like it, man. I really did. Like, I, I tried to find you, the Fincherism in it, but I just couldn't. I and, get it. Do you move? Uh, do you move Resurrection up because of Ron Perlman? Rob Perlman is a, a key component of that. And the, yeah, the, I don't blame you. And then do, sh- shooting a hook shot while riding a, a bicycle in circles. Oh, there we go. Um, that, that whole it's scene. I'm, it's yeah. a basketball thing. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's basketball. Exactly. It's, it, we're Memphis, so that's how it works. And I, I will it. say that there's a – here's the thing about Alien 3. It has no no scene in it where I'm like, wow, they expanded what the, my thought on this whole like this whole creature. Uh, yeah. but, but Resurrection has the scene where they're underwater and the aliens yeah. are swimming. It's and awesome. It's a good fucking underwater action scene. You know, uh, one thing I when when Resurrection was in theaters, I was too afraid to see it, but I popped my head in. It's back in the day when you can roam theaters and open doors. Yes. I, I think I was seeing some I was probably seeing like Men in Black or something, and I, I, I popped my head into Resurrection. It was during the underwater sequence and it scared me so much. I was like, I'm never gonna watch that movie. Yeah. Like that, I'm, I have no interest anymore. That's a great set piece and, and I, I'm, I'm I'm here for it. So like that's what I think that that and sort of its it's supposed to like subvert the whole tone of aliens and kind of make fun of the whole thing, but not be quite mm-hmm. far side. You know, it's Joss Whedon. So I, you yeah. know, I, I, at least it, it, it did. So it was trying to do something and right. it, it executed its vision, whether that was good or not. Um, Prometheus is something that I, I do want to talk about more, but like, I, you know, you need a whole other you can, podcast. You can, take a, you can take a whole hour on Prometheus. Cause yeah. I, I'll say when I saw Prometheus in theaters the first time, I didn't care for it. I was angry at it. But I've watched it over and over again, and I really do. And I've read, I've read John Spates's uh, uh, original draft. The uh, um, shoot, what was it? The uh, Alien Engineers is what it was called. Mm. And, it, and it makes a lot more sense. Like I don't know, I, I really like what they did with it. I can't quite articulate it yet because I'm not prepared. But um, but yeah, it definitely ages well. Yeah, we'll probably do that at some point. But uh, Derek, any other parting thoughts on Alien or the Xenomorphs in general? I mean, I just want to promote. uh, There's a documentary streaming on Crackle now called "Memory: The Origins of Alien." That's been that was really kind of interesting. It's a condensed version of uh, of basically all the the special features that are on those great Alien Blu-ray special editions. If you want to take an hour and a half and learn about the movie, uh, I thought that was really great. And then yeah, get that. uh, you know, I think back in when Blu-rays came out, they have an alien anthology box set that like I think you can get on Amazon. I don't know if it's that expensive right now, but it's great. And the supplements are just awesome. Yeah, I highly recommend director's commentaries for movies like this yeah. that are so clearly crafted and aren't shot in green screen rooms. It's like there's a lot to talk about. You know, what do you well, talk and, about if you're on the Avengers? And we're, like, and we're very fortunate. This movie got made when people had cameras behind the scenes that were able to show how all this stuff was done and how people reacted. It really is a treat. And uh, and they have uh, multi, like so much, so much footage, so much, so many just great like uh, featurettes. It's just it's worth diving into and spending a whole day on it. 
Well, it was good. Good talking, Derek. Good to see yeah. you, buddy. And uh, nice don't, to see you. you wake up and you feel like you were suffocating and dream, you know, I, I yeah. don't know what you do. Maybe go get an x-ray yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. Get in a, a surgery machine and just, get... I'll quit, I'll quit drinking. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Talk to me. Hey, take care. Later. See you later.